We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Recruiting is the lifeblood of a program, right? Mm-hmm. And success in recruiting is, is being able to establish your home base, your backyard. And one of the areas that you have written about a lot about and talked a lot about over the last really several years, and especially this last year as the talent in the area has ramped up, is Illinois has got to get back to being a place that Notre Dame dominates. You cannot have Ohio State and Michigan coming in and doing to Notre Dame what they've done in recent years especially with Illinois becoming a state that is starting, Sean, to produce more and more top-level athletes. So we've talked a lot about how important the state of Illinois is, and this past week, Sean, it proved to be big for Notre Dame. Obviously, they got two big-time commitments, and you know we'll just kind of kick it off first with you, Sean. As an Illinois native, you know, you're a Chicago born and raised. You went to the University of Illinois. How important is it, first of all, that Notre Dame start to finally establish some some dominance in that in that state, which for decades was I mean, that was Notre Dame territory. Well, historically, the pipeline from the Chicagoland area to Notre Dame has been very meaningful. You know, we recently just had a Hall of Famer, NFL Hall of Famer, Mm -hmm. Bryant Young from the Chicagoland area, 298 lettermen. I've come from Chicago and gone through the University of Notre Dame to letter in varsity football. So the importance of this area and mine in this area and the talent within the Chicagoland area is absolutely paramount. Mm-hmm. And I believe, you know, we talked about it. We've written about it. I think the recognition of Marcus Freeman and Tommy Reese, who is a product right. of the Chicagoland area coming out of Lake Forest High School, they understand the talent that's been here, the talent that's been missed out on over the last three to four recruiting cycles. And they wanted to end that beginning with the 23 and 24 classes. And they've done a great job so far. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My wife is the coffee drinker in our house. So when I told her about trying out Trade Coffee, she was curious. When I told her that if she answered the survey Trade sent me, they could match her with brands she would like, she was downright skeptical. We ended up getting three different shipments from three regional coffee makers. And let me tell you, she was blown away. My coffee snob wife loved each and every new blend that she got. As a non-coffee drinker myself, I must admit, opening up the cabinet and getting a whiff of her most recent blend was aromatically pleasing. Trade sells the freshest roasted and ethically sourced beans from America's best independent roasters. They ship free to you and as often as you like, whole or ground. Whether you're a coffee connoisseur like my wife or just want a better daily cup, Trade's real coffee experts taste test over 400 roasts and use technology to match you to your ideal coffee based on your preferences and brewing method. Take the coffee quiz to get started. Trade Coffee guarantees you'll love your first bag or they'll replace it for free. And right now for Irish Breakdown listeners, Trade is offering new subscribers a total of 30 off your first order plus shipping when you go to drinktrade.com forward slash Irish. That's more than 40 cups of coffee for free. Get started when taking their quiz at drinktrade.com forward slash Irish and let Trade find you a coffee you'll love. That's drinktrade.com forward slash Irish for $30 off. And this last week, as we said, especially, uh, you know, it kicked off, it kicked off Wednesday night. I mean, this, this is going to be a crazy week and it's, I mean, we're about what halfway through a little over halfway through kicked off Wednesday night, Sean with Cam Williams and Cam is going to join the show with us now. So Cam, thank you so much for joining the show, buddy. We really appreciate you. you being a part of uh, the Irish breakdown podcast here, man. Welcome aboard. Oh, yeah. No problem. Thank you for having me. So, Cam, obviously your recruitment ended Wednesday night. And uh, I got to tell you, buddy, first of all, to begin, uh, Irish fans, we did a live show during during your commitment, and they loved just how short and sweet it wasn't like thanking everyone in the city of oh, Chicago. Man. And it wasn't the lead-ins. And, the, and you, say, you spared us at least two commercial breaks. So uh, we really appreciate that you just got to the point, man, to say, hey, let's do this. I'm done. I'm, I'm over with. I'm ready, ready to rock and roll. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, so with that, when they put me on that commercial break before I announced, um, that's when I then, like, thanked all, you know, the people who were coming and all that stuff. Okay. So then I was like, I don't want to – because it was weird. I had AirPods in, right? So none of them can hear it. Mm-hmm. So I, I just would have felt weird thinking again and then – yeah. You know, they're just like, why is he doing it again? So I was just like, to the point, I'm just we, doing it. We appreciated it. Let's <laughs> let's kind of backtrack a little bit, Cam, because, you know, your recruitment yeah. really has heated up really the last five months as you've transitioned. You know, uh, the recruiting is getting so much faster nowadays. And 
and you obviously started to kind of emerge as a as one of the best players in the Midwest, and then like more and more people kind of start recognizing you. Michigan's on you, Notre Dame gets on you. When you came into this, it it doesn't sound. Correct me if I'm wrong. It didn't sound to us like you had this process of hey, let's get it over with this quickly. I mean, were you expecting to kind of be done by now, or is, you know, how'd that process um, go for you? No, my original like timeline when I want to be done is like you know that somewhere between that Thanksgiving uh, weekend when football is about over to about uh, this time next year. So it was uh, no, it was not expected at all. So our original conversation, I don't know if you remember this. We were chopping it up, and it was just a general conversation. And then we started talking about what the schools have been contacting you. And you said, you know what? I really haven't heard a lot. You know, you said your coach was handling a lot of things for you, and you really hadn't heard a lot from Notre Dame. And now we get to that point in March, Irish invasion in June, and your commitment this past Wednesday. What sparked everything? Was there one specific conversation early on? That Man. Um, I don't know. It was really weird. So when I got to um, that Irish invasion, um, forgot when that was, but earlier last month, um, it was like once I stepped on the campus, you know, going through the day and like just leaving, you know, I, I went with uh, my head coach and I told him uh, kind of like on the low, you know, I was like, Dude, this like this like feels right to me. He's like, you know, he's a big Notre Dame fan, so he might be a little biased. <laughs> but he, so he was like, I, you know, obviously he was like, it feels right, it feels right. But he's like, told me, he told me, you know, kind of take the week and really like assess, um, you know, this feeling you're having. And I was supposed to take a a few other visits that following week, um, to like Ohio State and Michigan and all that places. But I just felt like I didn't have to take uh, those other visits because I found kind of like what I needed and I felt what I wanted to feel at a place um, when I was there that day. So that kind of just um, turned, turned all the other switches off. And um, that's why Notre Dame uh, was the one. It's just, I was there, I felt right. So just went with my gut, so. Would you say your ability to feel comfortable in making a decision prior to your junior season comes from how recruiting has kind of evolved with you having relationships with guys outside of Illinois because of seven-on-seven seven tournaments, camps, getting to know them. When you went to the Irish Invasion, you already had relationships with multiple guys there that had Notre Dame offers. Does that type of envir environment make it easier for a young man like you to say, you know what, I don't even want to get into the mix of this full recruiting cycle. I just want to go ahead and make a decision because I feel like this is the right place. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously with uh, CJ and Jack on there, I mean, we were, we were, uh, all three of us were there, you know, we kind of felt that little spark in between all of us. We just kind of know, like, we might all end up here. Uh, just to add on to that, I mean, yeah, I mean, just feeling comfortable, kind of just that, if you know, you know, type of deal. So, um, yeah, I'd say that's definitely uh, what it was. So as you kind of left and your coach told you to take some time, what were the things that you were processing? Like, what was it kind of was going through your head? Like when somebody says, you know, hey, take some time, right? Well, what is it for you? I mean, it's different for everybody, but for you, what did that entail? What did that take in some time to make sure? Is it just kind of, do I wake up every day and I still feel it? Is there questions you have to ask yourself? Is it talking to family? What it, what was that process like for you? So actually, um, so uh, my old youth coach from, really close with these kind of, you know, he's kind of like that guy, like that mentor type of deal. 
you know, um, like literally I just drove her to his house. I talked to him about it and, you know, he's got a lot of connections, especially with Notre Dame. So he got me in contact with people who then they got me in contact with people who then, um, some family members who I know who went to Notre Dame got in contact with people. So it was more so just that whole week I was getting information kind of about the school, like the benefits of it. And I mean, I heard nothing bad really. Um, so I was like, yeah, this, this is it. So it was just really kind of educating myself, I guess, uh, that entire week, like outside of football. So the one part about the Irish invasion that you were very honest about was how the relationship with Chancey Stuckey was strengthened that day and how he just stayed with you the entire day, coaching, yeah. giving you tips. Talk about the development of their relationship throughout this entire process. Uh, I mean, obviously, yeah, that day was huge for us because, you know, it's kind of weird. I feel like if I, uh, you know, wasn't there at that invasion, we probably wouldn't even like sitting here right now. This is the, this is the weird part. And obviously, um, I t when I told told them uh, kind of a week after that I was be committing, obviously that grows more. You know, we're talking, we're calling. Um, and obviously he's excited. I'm just excited. And I feel like, especially over time, as I visit there, you know, over the course of uh, the season, I guess, and just this summer, I mean, um, it'll, just, it'll grow. Because me and him, I think, uh, kind of just have, have that click, you know, which is what you want. So I was looking forward to just a guy I can feel that comfortable around uh, on and off the field. So. Cam, as we've got to know you and as Sean's talked to you and, and we've talked to your coach and listened to you talk to other people, the one thing that I've kind of got the impression of is that there's not like one thing that went into this. You're going to look at this holistically. However, you are a wide receiver and catching the football is important and having someone throw you the football is important too. Yeah. When you look at just in general, not just Notre Dame, but big picture, but then specifically to Notre Dame, was it was it a kind of who you're going to play with, who's going to throw you the ball on the current roster, who they commit, all that kind of thing. What kind of role did that play, if any? And then when you specifically look at a guy that you got a chance to know over the last year and then work out with Irish Invasion, CJ Carr, you know, how, what kind of role did that play? So sort, sort of big picture, how important was that? And then specifically with CJ, did that at all play a role in your either your ultimate decision or the timing of your decision? I mean, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I mean – uh, yeah, his commitment really just kind of set in stone. I mean, I want to, I wanted to go somewhere originally where I have a, a quarterback maybe committed in my class where who's obviously as talented as he is. And I was lucky enough uh, for that to happen. And I mean, it's kind of like the same thing that you see at Texas right now. Like, you know, Arch commands and see other dudes. Went nuts. Yeah. Dudes <laughs> like 10 guys in a week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, it's kind of like one of those things. I mean, and then obviously Jack coming, you know, just and obviously I mean the recruiting classes above me and then mine is obviously just going to grow, and I and I saw that so I was like, well, you know, I mean obviously playing with a bunch of dudes and who we can have some success with in the future. So I don't want you to feel any pressure, okay? <laughs> okay. You're the first dude from the land of Lincoln in the '24 class. You got some work to do, my friend. Yeah, you I got do. Mark, you got because you took a I nice do. little photo shoot. With Justin Scott and Marquise Lightfoot, <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, you got some work to do, my friend. I, I was, I was bugging, I was bugging Justin after my commitment. <laughs> I was bugging. Don't worry, 
Cam, you, you've got the decision over with now, right? So, I mean, obviously recruiting doesn't stop. Schools aren't going to stop calling you. You know, there's there's two years between now. But you get a chance to maybe take a little bit of focus away from recruiting and say, okay, I, I've got a season coming up, right? And you, you've talked about where you're getting. First of all, if you look at your sophomore film to now, I mean, your body's clearly evolving. You know, you're, you're maturing, you're growing, you've been putting in the work. As you look at your game, what are the aspects of your game that you say, okay, this is the part of what I – look. I'm obviously I'm a good player. Notre Dame and Michigan wanted me, right? But I want to take my game to the next level. What are the things when you go out every day and you put into work that you are saying, this is where I'm trying to take my game. This is what's going to take my game to the next level. Um, I mean, to me, I think it kind of just all starts with like the little things that maybe you don't always think about. So, I mean, whether that's getting my footwork better, which I've been doing a lot, um, just working on my body control type of things. Because as I'm getting bigger and broader, you know, typically, especially at my age, it's, you know, you don't really know how to use your body as well as mm-hmm. maybe someone who's at that level already. So kind of just, uh, I guess, learning my body more. Cause as I, I mean, I put on what, like 15 pounds since last mm-hmm. season that may be growing a little bit. So just kind of those things, you know, working on, you know, like I said, forward body control and, you know, I, I can run around and catch a ball, but I can't do it as effectively if I can't do those little things. Right. right. Well, we're going to let you go with this last question, Sean. I'm going to I'm going to put this one on him. Okay, so you've got three calls you have to make between now and you in the time you tee off today, right? So I'm saying if you had three calls to make, right? What 2024 right. kids are you calling to say, "Hey, we got something going on down here over here in South Bend. You need to be a part of this." Who are the three that you're calling? Uh, definitely Justin. Mm-hmm. Um, Good probably Eddie Turk. Eddie okay. Turk. I've been bugging him a lot, and. Um, Who's the third one? I'd really uh, let's say that's two linemen. Um, probably Dupree. Okay. From uh, Mount Carmel, you know, get a running back in that mix. Okay. The three guys, I and mean, those are also just three guys I kind of know the most in this mm-hmm. area that recruited like that. Uh, like Marion Stewart too. Uh, you okay. know those those guys are guys. I mean, I'd love to uh, hop on the train. So there you go. Yep. Well, Cam, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate you, and we'll, we'll have you back on again sometime. But uh, have fun out there on the on the links today, buddy. Appreciate you. Anytime. Thank you. So, Sean, obviously, Cam Williams, big commitment from Notre Dame for Illinois. Yeah. Notre Dame was kind of able to – obviously, Chicago is important. But an area where Notre Dame has, has really struggled is getting outside the Chicago area, you know, finding some of those – Western Illinois, Southwestern Illinois kids that have been going to Missouri and Illinois and SEC and Big 12 territory. There was a kid, obviously, that was on the board from the moment this new staff arrived. It, you and I remember the conversation you and I had like, okay, Sean, we got to get a hold of this kid right here because we got to find out where it is. And even before Coach Eastan was hired, but then especially when Coach Eastan was hired, there was a young man that, that, that just jumped to the top of the list of the must-get category for many reasons. Location being one, as we said, got to lock up Illinois, Sean. But also, it helps when those guys are really, really good. Yeah. And our next guest, Charles Jagasaw, is that kind of player. So, Charles, thanks so much for joining the show, buddy. Appreciate you. Yeah, no problem. So, Sean, go ahead and kick it off, man. I mean, you guys have built up uh, – you, you know, this is one you've been all over here. So, let's go uh, ahead and get absolutely. this rocking and rolling. CJ. Take us back to that initial meeting and when Coach Fritz came to you and said, man, Notre Dame is really making it clear that they have to be the first school to see you during the open period. Like, what kind of impression did that make on you? Um, It was kind of funny. So I I had, like, a doctor's appointment in Peoria or something. 
and it was like the day after my birthday. So I'm like driving back late to school. I pull up and Coach He stands like pulling up in a big old Tahoe or something, parking in my like the visitor spot right next to me. So we're like walking in together a couple hours late to school. But no, he's um he's been for sure a big a big part of my recruiting. Probably the biggest part for me, honestly, is just kind of getting to know him and seeing what he has to offer and how he can help me. So you gotta like take, take us right into it. We've been talking about this epic film session, mm. two and a half hours. You, Harry, he stands, notepads, film. Your mother over your left shoulder watching everything. Yeah. Talk about the vibe, the expectation going into it, and ultimately what you took from it. Um. Yeah. No. I'm a big. I'm a big film person. I mean, I'll just sit here and watch college tape for a couple hours a day, probably. But no, that's that's always fun to just kind of get in and hang out with some coaches and get to talk to people a little bit because it's like you don't you don't get to do that too often. But Coach Eastan from like day one is like, hey, you want to hop on a Zoom call and watch some film? You want to see what you can do? You want me to come in and talk to your coaches, see if I can help? So he's always been super big for me. And going back to your April visit, one of the things that stuck out to you while your coach was watching the, co- the players and the coaches, you took time to watch how the second unit of the offensive line was being coached up. Why was that so important to you? Um, I mean, it's a pretty deep roster, so it's going to take me some time to kind of get up there and get ready to go. But, yeah, it's especially with last year with the whole coaching switch we had in my school, it's been a lot of just kind of like trying to relearn things and do things differently. So I'm just trying to really pick up stuff that I can bring back for my team, but also stuff that I can just kind of figure out on my own. Charles, so, let me just jump in here real quick, Sean, because, yeah. you know, you talked about a lot about film and, and you've had a very interesting couple years, you know, obviously mm. with the COVID year kind of cost yeah. your year. You had to make a tough decision where you could have just kind of followed everybody else out the door or you could stay. You decided yeah. to stay. So it's it's been a bit of a, I don't say rocky, but a, a growing period for you as, as yeah. a young man and as a leader. I, so obviously that's important for you. But but how do you think that decision, because we can talk football and, and X's and O's, and I love all that stuff. I'm a film junkie like you are. But how how was that? How did that help build you as a young man and as a leader? Like what was that process like? How tough was the decision? Obviously, had a rough year, but I mean, yeah. how do you feel like you've grown as a leader, as a young man, through that decision? I mean, I think it helped me out a lot. I was like, we so we had our spring season, and the last game of our spring season, I broke my leg, so I was on crutches for twelve weeks, going from spring to I think I got cleared with twelve practices left, and you got to play ten to be eligible. So I was like trying to dance my way in, but. <laughs> Honestly, that was the thing for me is it was like our, our coach Fritz got hired, our head coach got hired first week of July or something. So we had like, I, I wasn't even cleared yet. So we really had like 10 practices before our team was like really getting into it. So it was, it was rough. And I mean, even the film shows it like it was for me personally, it was like trying to learn how to run again while blocking someone and I just couldn't figure it out. But I think it helped a lot just to kind of show me what I need to work on, especially when you like don't get to do technique stuff for a few months and it kind of, you lose the feel for it, but also really just what our team can improve on. And I think our team's going to be a lot better this year. So we'll see how it goes. 
so Sean, we now know why he was so punishing. He was angry. <laughs> he was angry. <laughs> so Charles, now yeah. let's like, I think to me, obviously character for an offensive lineman is incredibly important. So that's why I wanted to lead things off with that question, but I'm a football guy, man. So we mm. got to talk some football. When you sat down with coach, he and you sit down with coach Fritz and you kind of guide your path for the next year, obviously recruiting is behind you. Yeah. Now it's about, as you said, what impact do you want to leave on your program? And obviously you getting yourself to be the best player you can be is one of those things. So as you kind of talk about the things you've applied from Coach Stan, things you've learned with Coach Fritz now as you guys kind of go in year two together, what are the parts of your game that you're kind of prioritizing to say, okay, this is where I need to get myself so I can be the best version of myself in 2022 and really lead Alma to some success on the field? For sure it's been – I mean, just for me, like all the off-season stuff I've been, I've been doing, working with my teammates, trying to get them kind of to communicate better a lot. But also just like me individually, I I did a whole lot of pass setting in the, over the winter. There's a place I work out in Iowa City that we get some good guys to come through, some guys that are probably going to play power five ball. And that and kind of just asking Coach Stan questions and him giving me advice or a lot of the things he says is you're – I'm doing like a quarter of it right or half of it right. And it's just those small things that you kind of got to get switched around and then it'll look night and day. And so I think my film is going to look from last year to this year. It's going to be, it's, I'm hoping it's going to be a complete turnaround, but we'll see. You talked about that going to train Iowa city and making a drive overall, what do you pull from the ability to be the big fish in the little pond and still choose to stay and build a program with little expectations, but a tradition that's rich in state championships. What was that like? Did you feel like you had to live up to that tradition or was it really just about the relationship with your friends and the community that ultimately led you to stay stand still because you had opportunities to go to big time programs in different surrounding states. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, a lot of people reached out to me trying to get me to come over, but I don't know. This is the program my original coaches, my freshman, sophomore year had been at for 20 years. They played with my uncles mm. who all during that like 70s state championship run. And for me, it's just like, it's, it's always been the place that it's like, it's my family. And I didn't even want to go there freshman year, but my mom just kind of made me. And once I was there, I'm like, I don't want to play for anybody else. So, Are you the best wrestler in the fam? No, my cousin, um, my cousin wrestled at Iowa a couple of years ago. And I mean, he's probably like 140 pounds. So I might be able to take him, but <laughs> no, he's way better than me. Even I had another cousin that was like a middle school national champ. And pretty good in junior high. Sean, I want to follow up on wrestling real quick. Obviously, that's a you know you hear about a lot of athletes. I play basketball, I run track, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. With linemen, you know it, it can it can differ for you. It's wrestling. As you as you look at your wrestling career and the work you put in and all those kind of things, are there things that you say because I do this, this is going to either has or will make me a better football player? Like, what are the mm. skills that translate from the wrestling mat? onto the football field that you think kind of help you um, you know like with if you're a track guy right it's it's efficiency in your stance and start it's yeah. explosiveness and all that like you can yeah. look at different traits and say they translate well what would you say are the things that translate from the mat to the football field for an offensive lineman 
I'd say my speed. I wrestle pretty technically. Um, that's honestly where you can see me show off some of the most athletic things that I do is when I'm wrestling. So speed for sure. Um, definitely like hand, like handwork, but it's it's a little bit different because it varies. Like wrestling and footballs, the feeling's a little bit different. Um, foot quickness for sure, but also probably just knowing like the mental side of wrestling is a thing that not a lot of people think about and kind of understanding angles and how someone's going to move when you do certain things and how balance is. So I think that's probably the biggest thing for me. It's just the movement side and the understanding how, what you do is going to affect your opponent. Does having patience and wrestling help with blocking guys on the offensive line? For sure. Translates, um, yeah. Because sometimes I get out on the mat and I try to blitz people and it doesn't, it doesn't <laughs> go as well as I'd hope. But especially last year, I feel like because I missed that wrestling season and that whole off season, I was just kind of trying to muscle kids really hard because I didn't like, I wasn't even worried about technique. I was just worried about making sure my other linemen weren't going the wrong way. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I mean it. It helps to just kind of calm you down and the cardio that you do in wrestling and all the conditioning stuff, it keeps you tough. So it's, it's not like when you're out on the field, you're out there dying, even playing both ways. So that's, it's big for me. Well, you can be honest. We know you're an offensive tackle, Yeah. but be honest. You you love playing defense more. It gives you a chance to really (laughs) bring out the mean, the mean streak in you, right? Tell the truth. I mean, I wanted to. I wanted to be. I wanted to be a D lineman. <laughs> I I don't know. I yeah. Freshman sophomore year, I was. I was like, coach, I'm a DN. I'm a DN. I think I was like six four, two seventy. Sophomore year, two eighty, <laughs> and then I just kept growing, and everybody's like, nah, you're playing tackle. So, so uh, or is it safe for us to assume that you might be as you're walking off the practice field at Notre Dame one of these days, kind of like nudge up to coach at Washington, like, hey, you're getting goal line. I know. <laughs> I've been trying to. I've been trying to get my coach to do anything for me. I mean, like put me a tight end, put me a running back. I can do anything. We're not. It's not going to happen. So, Charles, I want to talk a little bit about about recruiting. Obviously, you know, one of the things that we learned during your recruitment is like Coach Sharon Moore and 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 Coach Pittman mm-hmm. and the O line coach at Arkansas, the coaches of Missouri. They all did a great job recruiting you, right? And 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 you've got to pick somebody, right? So Notre Dame obviously was the choice. Those guys, those teams did a great job. What I want to kind of, kind of, what I want to get to with you is, as you just with the evolution of just the Notre Dame aspect of it, was mm-hmm. there a time when you felt one of two things? Where you know what, like I'm still going to do my visits or whatever, but you know I really feel like Notre Dame is the choice, or was it after the visits where you're just like you kind of knew, like what was the when was the moment where you really felt like this was going to be the move or this was the move? How did you? What, what was that experience like for you? When was that mm-hmm. moment for you? Honestly, at the start, Notre Dame wasn't even really on my like on my radar until until the coaching switch. Because I think a couple of days after Coach Freeman took over, I got like three or four phone calls from him, talking to him a little bit. But yeah, um, over the winter, kind of tried to figure things out, tried to stay in touch with coaches a little bit more, and just kind of track the trajectory of how things are going. But I'd say, Coach. Coach Houston coming in and just getting to talk to him was huge. And then that April visit that I took was really big just to kind of confirm how I felt about Notre Dame and Michigan when I was over there. 
How how do you kind of go through the process of you you know you feel like I I feel like this is the move, but I also want to give coaches that you were you you clearly had great respect for Coach Moore and the coaches at Arkansas and Missouri. How do you try to go through that process? How do you balance? Like I think I know this is the move, but I also want to be open minded enough to learn about these other schools. Like how do you yeah. how did you kind of handle that part of the process? Well, it was it was a really tough decision for me. I mean, I didn't really feel like. I had anything figured out like Michigan was still super high for me but um I really just kind of took a step back and thought about it and thought about the people and which program is going to give me the stability throughout my career and I was Notre Dame so that's really why I made the choice did you get a chance during the process to get to know any of the guys that are in the class? You know, obviously Elijah Page committed at the beginning of the month. You, you kind of, it's funny you, you look at the to sort of the kickoff and the end of the twenty of the month of June. It kind of started mm-hmm. off with an offensive lineman. It ended with an offensive lineman. Did you get a chance to get to know any of those guys? Either Elijah Page or Sullivan Absher or Sam Pendleton. Have you got a chance to learn get to know any of those guys during this process, or is that kind of just starting to be to build? Excuse me. Um, it's really just starting now. Um, kind of got added to some group chats and started talking to guys. But I knew um, Pendleton. I was on a – we were there the same weekend in April, so we were on the same tour and everything and got to talk to him and his family a little bit. But no, I didn't really – I haven't really met any of the guys yet. So, we'll So, see. Cam Williams, he committed to – he committed the day before you did. Yeah. And he was on before you today, and he's headed to play some golf. We know you play golf. We know that all of the guys in the O-line recruiting class in 23 play golf. Have you guys started talking trash about your golf games yet? Not yet. Um, <laughs> At least he had, Charles hasn't. <laughs> I was I was out a couple of days. Well, because they're probably all better than me. I just, I just started like a couple of weeks, like a couple of months ago. But, yeah, we talked about it a little bit in one of the groups. No, I, was, I was out, I think, yesterday at the – John Deere Classic, Washington Golf. Nice, nice. Well, here's the thing, Charles. If you start feeling bad about your golf game, just play me, <laughs> and you'll feel a lot better about yourself. I can guarantee I, that. There's no question. I can, I can shoot under like 100 on a good yeah. day. Hey, me too, and putt-putt. But uh, that's, a different, that's a different conversation. <laughs> Sean, you got anything else for Charles? Um, no. The okay. Irish fans, you're getting a fantastic young man. I tell Brian all the time, Every time I would talk to him, I would try to talk strictly football. And all of a sudden, the conversation would go to something else towards the end. And you end up realizing that um, I think I said this the other day. And CJ, you probably can attest to this. I said I was talking to a young man and I felt like he was making a regular college decision rather than a football decision. Mm-hmm. It was like he enjoyed all the schools and like every school has something different. But it was one school that just stood out for all the right reasons. And it didn't even feel like a football recruitment. It felt like a teenager making a college decision. And ultimately, thankfully for the football fans of Notre Dame, ended up being the University of Notre Dame. For sure. I mean, football is big for me, but it's not. It's it's important, but it's I have other things that I want to do and other things that I'm interested in. So it's kind of trying to balance all of that and balance with my family and everything. But, yeah, it was a tough decision for sure, but I'm, I'm happy with where I'm at. I know your mom said you had dreams of being a NFL GM one day. Yeah, something like that. 
maybe even branch out a little bit, go to a different sport, a little baseball, a little soccer or something. I don't know. Nice. Nice. Well, congratulations once again. For sure. Thank you. Carl, thanks so much for joining us, buddy. We'll get you back yeah. on here again soon. So enjoy the rest of your beautiful weekend. It's really, really, really nice. That Charles and a lot of people in the in the in the uh, chat, a lot of Notre Dame fans, excited to have you on board, man. And they're all saying good luck, congratulations, happy to have you on board. So we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. So Sean, obviously, you know it, it's funny you you brought up him always wanting to talk other things in football, and that was mm-hmm. always my. Not frustration, but like I would want to call you and talk to you about how his recruitment was going, and yeah. and all he, you know, all you'd want to talk about was just the interesting things in him or his mom. And it said really, really interesting family, and I mean that in a complimentary way. Like it was not a typical recruitment. I mean, you don't oh. often hear about moms being like, "I want to get in a film room," you know what I mean? And I wanted to see what Coach Heastan's plan was for him as a football player. Like you yeah. know, it right. was it was a different animal, man, and it was a really fun recruitment to follow. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, I was talking the other day, and I was like, yo, I felt like – I don't know if it was you I was, I was talking to, but every school literally gave him something different. Mm-hmm. University of Missouri was kind of that school that had been there all the time. University of Arkansas with Sam Pittman and what he's doing and reviving that program. It was kind of like the chance to play for a school that was reviving everything similar to where, he, where he's at in his high school career right now in Alleman. And then you go to Michigan and Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. And like, they have a lot of similarities, but then there are a few things that differ. The community in Notre Dame is very similar to the community that he lives in now. He was very comfortable with that. You already know he said it. Harry Heastan made the world of difference. And the other difference was um, that guy that just happened to get hired, Yeah, Marcus Freeman. How many times have yeah. we talked to recruits that have told us, their view of Notre Dame totally changed the moment Marcus Freeman became the head coach. So it's a collaborative effort. It was a great recruitment. And, and for Michigan for him was kind of like the school that will allow him to get outside of his comfort zone. Right. Right. It was the school. The big he, public school, the part, yeah, part more part of school. Yeah. yeah. Right. So like I said, I felt like a kid was making a regular college decision rather than a football recruitment. It, it it was it was striking because you know you talk about you know the impact Marcus Freeman has and a lot of yeah. times I think this conversation turns somewhat sometimes it's appropriate but sometimes incorrectly uh, into the sort of the the force of personality the cult of personality with Marcus Freeman as if like these kids are just coming because he's putting like a voodoo spell on people right like yes he's charming and he's intelligent and all that but there was something that Charles said at the beginning too that that also is factoring in they're they're not getting these kids just because Marcus is a really likable guy or he's you know it, it, it's also because there's an expectation that's being promoted throughout the program of we're going to work on the recruiting trail and he talked about it with coach Heastan and all how often he would call and all the different conversations they had but then he said like the pre, like I wasn't even Notre Dame was in, on my radar until the coaching change yeah. which is inexcusable but yeah. I don't want to go there he <laughs> said he was like he got calls from like three or four I think he said like three or four coaches like right away I want that's to commend the you. change. I want to commend you right there because you all you almost got riled up. I did. You I did. almost did, but you controlled it. <laughs> it's all the therapy I've been going to every day. Um, <laughs> but I, I mean, but it's it's that right. It's it's yeah. I'm going to hire people that that are good at this, and I'm going to demand that they put in the work. 
And, and that's the reason that we're seeing what we're seeing is kids that like, well, it's think about some of the biggest names in this class, right? In the 23 class, you've got, you've got Braylon James, mm-hmm. you've got Charles Jagasaw, you've got Sullivan Absher, you've got Elijah Page, you've got um, trying to defensively, you've got Bubakar Traore, you've got, you know, you've got uh, at um, in the secondary, Micah Bell. These guys were not even on Notre Dame's radar when Notre Dame, when Marcus Ream was hired. Right. And like the first commitment he got was Peyton Bowen, but Peyton Bowen had been on their radar since the previous summer. Like they were on him. They got a dodge. I mean, there were some guys that they were on, but some of the best kids in this class, like top hundred receiver from Texas, top hundred offensive lineman from Illinois, right? Like four, 10, 400 meter dash, you know, one of the five best. I saw on a, a tweet yesterday from an, from a track website that Micah Bell had one of the five best 200 meter times in the nation for, you know, last year not on Notre Dame's radar for, for a long time. Right. Like in, in, it just kind of speaks to that. That's the chance. It's not just Marcus Freeman's personality. That is the result of it. Yes. That's a factor in it. Right. But it, again, it's the work. And I think sometimes when we focus on, you know, how young he is and engaging he is and all these other kind of things, we lose sight of the fact that this staff is putting in work to get this done and it's top to bottom. Was it you that asked me the other day? Somebody asked me the other day. They said, who would you say is the weak link when it comes to recruiting for Notre Dame right now? I didn't ask, but I'm interested in hearing your answer. The answer was, there isn't one. Hmm. I mean, who would you say that that would be? There's one potential answer. I'm not going to give it right now. I may give it to you off the air. But the reality is, is there's not one. Because there's one coach whose position I question how that has been recruited. But that changed recently with a big-time commitment. But he's had an impact on a lot of other players. And, and so when I look at them, like, you know, I mean, I've heard people say, well, it's Mike Mickens. If Mike Mickens is your weak link, you're recruiting at an elite level. I mean, like that ain't it. And you could say, okay, well, Chris O'Leary didn't get any safeties his first year. Okay, cool. I get that. He's got two dudes now in, in this, this class. Right. So a chance for a third. Right. Yeah. Right. And so there isn't one at this point in time, because that's the expectation that Marcus Freeman had when he got hired. I mean, he, I've been told this by multiple people. He, every coach he had interview, like, you, you come here, you got to recruit. Just so you know, just so you know, something you got to put the work in. Yeah. And it's something he demands. He talked about how they meet every day. You know, I mean, that wasn't the case in the past. I'm not trying to drag up old stuff, but you can't hold people accountable if you're not around them every day. And And that level of accountability, I think, is a big part of this too. And it just, this is what happens when you make the right hires and you demand excellence in how you work this is the kind of stuff that happens but we saw that in the conversation with with uh with with charles is that you know this is a kid that seven months ago was not on notre dame was not on his radar and now he's one of the biggest commits in the class and you can also see the impact of just harry he being harry he had on that young man as well we've been on the other side of this as well brian mm-hmm. we've seen recruitments where notre dame was in a great place and in a matter of days, weeks, all of a sudden, we're sitting here like, what the heck happened? <laughs> right? So this is just recruiting. And if you have a great staff, you're going to do it the other way, positively right. for your program right. more than, you, than, than you're going to, of course, yeah. lose guys. And that's happened in this with this class. Like That's mm-hmm. happened since the staff has taken over a couple times. Yeah. Yeah. And it's going to happen. And there's going to be mistakes. But it's such a... It's such a like when it happens now, it's like it's a shock. It's like, wait a minute, hold, hold on. It's like, what? 
Like when Notre Dame loses a kid, you're like, hold on a second, that's not supposed to happen. Right. And then that's changed. Like talk about a culture change. You and I did a show on the culture change at Notre Dame. I mean, that's one of the biggest ones. Is like you're starting to see more and more fans be like, hold on a second. Um, they they lost a kid. That that doesn't that doesn't make sense. Like how that happened. Yeah. Yeah. And it it just it's been fun to kind of follow that, Sean. There's there's no question. But to the topic at hand. You know, we've talked a lot about, you know, Ryan and I have talked a lot about how the North in 23 and 24 seems to be abnormally filled with talented players, but also talented skill players. And, you know, you look at the 2024 class, there's going to, there's going to be some kids from the Chicago area. They're going to have to turn down that are really good football players. Absolutely. Which just speaks volumes. And and so again, it's, they've got to be able to say, this is who we want. This is who we're going to get. And and to be able to get, I mean, because you look at Michigan, we've talked a lot about over the years, how when a pipeline is established to a school, it can make it harder for others. Well, Ohio State and Michigan have kicked Notre Dame's butt a little bit in Chicago and in the, in the northern Illinois area the last few years. They had to do have some success to start to establish that. And, of course, this is with Charles Jagasaw, who's not a Chicago kid but an Illinois kid, but then Cam Williams, it helps with that. And it's so important. Here's another reason why Chicago is important. We've seen it with Drake Bowen. We saw Blake Fisher a couple years ago where when you've got a kid that lives close by who is a big time recruit and commits early, he's at every big event that you have. And now you've got several, you know, you've got Cam Williams. Charles is too far away to be considered that guy. In my opinion, he can't just hop in a car and come every weekend. It's a little different animal where he lives. Correct. If I, if I'm, if I'm correct, if I remember correctly where he lives, but with Cam Williams, with CJ Carr, with Brandon Davis Swain, these are kids that you look at and say, this is, this is big to have those highly ranked top hundred caliber guys that are close by to where every time there's a big time commit on campus, you know, at least one or two of them are going to be on campus. And that is also another reason why, especially the Chicago area is important because if you can get athletes out of Chicago that are legitimate big time athletes, and I believe Cam Williams is, and then they're also considered highly ranked as well, and they're close by. It, it only adds to the to the value of getting those recruits. And that's just the continuation of the 23 class. Going back to Cam Williams, we talked to him. We wrote about it. The first person he called immediately when he left the Irish invasion was Drake Bowen. Mm-hmm. And who was the face of constantly making it up to South Bend right. at every moment he has a chance? It's Drake Bowen. Right, and that has he would get out of his baseball uniform and and immediately head to Notre Dame this spring and summer. Yeah, Yeah. you know, and so now that has been transferred. I think these guys have watched Drake Bowen from afar, falling in love with the program, falling in love with the coaching staff, and now they want to be part of the movement that's been established by the class of twenty twenty three, and they're taking the reins for the class of twenty twenty four. And like you said, all these guys are basically maybe over an hour away, an mm-hmm. hour and a half at the most from campus. So at any notice, any moment's notice, if they get a call from the coaching staff saying we need you and they can do it, they're on the way. And that's a great thing to have. You know, being able to recruit Indiana, if you have guys in Indiana, Michigan, and Illinois, that's one of the benefits of having that. I want to bring up a super chat here, Sean, before we transition to our next topic. And we'll get, we'll do like a Q and a, like a bigger picture Q and a, 
at the end. But there was one question, and it was a super chat from Mike Farino, so I did want to bring it up now, so I appreciate that, Mike. But he says, how much does this year affect Freeman since he has no experience? Obviously, they don't need to go 12-0 or 11-1, but if they go 10-2 or 9-3, how much does that affect things for 2024? And then, of course, people chiming in that 9-3 isn't that unlikely. I, I think it is. I, I, I don't understand why people automatically think that Notre Dame is somehow inferior to a team that went 4-8 last year because they got some transfers from, yeah. you know. Yeah. But that's a, a different story for a different show. But, um, yeah, so when you look at this, how how the success on the field matters, right? I mean, they've got to win. He's got to now prove that he can coach. Yeah. But I think it, it's more going to be an impact on, on beyond 2024 than it, I don't think it'll have much of an impact on 23 in regards to, they won't lose guys no. if they go nine and three, but I, I don't, it'll, it'll make it harder to like flip a guy, you know, later. Right. Uh, and, and it could have an impact on some big guys in 24, but I, I still don't think that it is because, you know, you're going to be able to kind of spin it a certain way, especially if you go 10 and two, it's fine. I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll be fine. I don't love 10 and two, but from a, just a recruiting standpoint, they'll be fine. Nine and three or worse to me starts getting to that. You haven't, you haven't, you haven't been that like that in a while. And I know the schedule's amped up, but you haven't been like that in a while. Yeah. So I, I think ten and two is minimum what they need to do, in my opinion, to really keep this momentum going. Anything worse than that, you, you could stagnate a little bit with some kids, in my opinion. What are your thoughts? The culture change that we talked about a couple of weeks ago is really what's going to be at the forefront when everything goes on this season. Physically, they're going to have the advantage pretty much every game except for maybe one. Because I think physically, when you look at both sides of the ball against Ohio State, I think Notre Dame has the better players. That's just my opinion. Clemson might be the only time where I say, okay, in the trenches, this is going to be a heavyweight battle. But there are probably about two to three instances where Notre Dame will go into a matchup not having the better quarterback. That could be possible. And with that being said, you know, quarterbacks can decide games in college sure. football. Anything can happen. But I'm with you. Anything less than 10 and 2 is outside of the realm of disappointing. my Disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So it, it's the same argument we had last year, Sean. Like all the arguments I'm seeing people make in the chat, well, this and that, and this team could be top. It's the same thing last year. It's like what what it comes down to is I don't think people understand that Notre Dame in at least 10 games this year, and I think it's debatable for an 11th, is going to be the most talented team on the field. Like, and it's, it's usually not close. And, you know, yes, USC could match Notre Dame in talent for talent in a seven on seven game. But they're not going to have the more talented roster that day. Right. So it, you're going to have to buy. It's the same thing you're going to have to buy into last year. You're going to yes. have to tell me that they're going to get out athleted three times for them to be worse than, you know, 11 and one. Yeah. And it's the same argument last year. People tell me there was people literally when the over under for seven and a half came out last year, which was absurd. And we laughed and mocked it. There were people in the chat. Notre Dame fans were like, well, but, but insert. North Carolina and Wisconsin and USC and all these other schools. Cause remember USC was supposed to be a top 20 team again last year as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and it's just the same thing as like, it comes down to like sort of that expectation of, well, yeah, of course we're going to do this. Right. Of course we're going to lose that game. Of course we're going to drop this game. Even with Brian Kelly, who a guy that you and I didn't have a ton of respect for Notre Dame beat all the teams they were supposed to the last five years. 
it, it, the only games they lost with the exception of maybe Michigan in 2019. And that's a, that was a, no, it, Michigan, I'm not maybe Michigan. They had a much better roster than Michigan in 2019. Yeah, that was a little bit of a weird scenario. And and you know you get down to it, and it's funny. Somebody says I'm I'm a realist. Same stuff I heard last year. <laughs> like you think we're saying this as fans? Like uh, we study the game, we break down the game. It's the same thing. Whenever I told me, remember last year when I made fun of the fact that they were considered an underdog to Wisconsin. You know what I mean? Like Wisconsin's not going to be that good. Notre Dame played like garbage in that game and still won. By, still won. Going you away. You know what I mean? Right. And they played like crap in that game. Yeah. Notre Dame was even worse than I thought they were going to be last year, and they still beat all those teams, right? And and that's the thing is is when when you look at it, it's 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 like if you're if you're positive about Notre Dame, people will say, "Well, you're just a fan," or "You're just, no no." This is what they have been for years. Right. And unless you're someone who believes that, no, 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 the only reason they were good is because of Brian Kelly and his staff. I don't see how people are jumping on the nine and three, eight and four bandwagon. It's just other than just preparing themselves for disappointment again, like they have for so many years. It's, it just gets, that's what gets down to it. So it's, it, it's a little, um, and and we've said this, and I'll just go ahead and throw it out there one more time. To say nine and three is to be disrespectful of the culture that's being created by these players. And the talent of the players. Like these players are the ones leading the charge, saying national championship. Right. And we're not dropping the banner just because it's a new coach. Right. The coaching staff is taking their lead. That's right. their expectation that they've built up over the last 10 right. years. That is the culture of this program. Right. And they expect nothing less. Right. So when you have a locker room that thinks that way and understands and has players in it that have already been to two college football playoffs, they know how to win. Right. They know how to win close games. Mm -hmm. They've been in those close games. They're not about to walk into the horseshoe and be scared of the moment. Right. Every week is a big game for Notre Dame in some way, fashion. Right. Form of fashion, either for the other team or for both teams on the field. Right. It's a big game. And Notre Dame more than likely has to go undefeated to make it to the college football playoffs. So every week is a big game. We'll have to have that show here this summer, too. Yeah. Because that's one you and I disagree on. But that I don't want to derail that. But but to your point, Sean, they can't go worse than 11 and 1. No. I mean, that, which again leads to your point of these are all big games, and and we always heard oh this is the other team's Super Bowl and all. I mean, so we'll we'll see we'll see what would kind you, of coach would he is. Would you agree? Would, would you agree going into the season that they're in much better shape as a team? Yeah. Than we thought they would be, or than we thought they were last year going into. Yeah. The yeah. So it is. Yeah, and it's it the is. same thing as last year. Is like yeah. the schedule's not as tough as people think it's going to be. Yeah, that was it, and it's not that I think Notre Dame is going to go beat Georgia and Alabama and 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 blow these teams out when they get to the playoff. No, I'm just telling you the teams that everybody think are these great teams are not as good as you think that they are. Yeah, outside of Ohio State, there's not a team on the schedule that I view as a playoff team this year. Clemson yeah. may get there if Notre Dame lays an egg in that game because the schedule's weak, but this isn't close to the Clemson team they had two years ago, much less no. 2018. Do they have a quarterback? Uh, Everybody's wondering about wondering yeah. about our quarterback. Right? Do they have a quarterback. <laughs> yeah, Kate Klubnik's really good. <laughs> so, 
Mike Freno with, with, with the follow-up super chat. We appreciate that, Mike. Uh, I'm an Ohio State fan, and my expectation for you is either 11 and one or 10 and two. I mean, I, I think that to me, 10 and two for me is the floor. Anything worse than that is floor for me is once you get past the floor, it's a disappointment. Mm-hmm. Anything past 10 and two is a disappointment. So to me, 10 and two is the floor yeah. for this football team. So we'll we'll, we'll kind of see how that goes.